You're listening to Pastor Ryan Couch at Calvary Chapel of Crook County as he teaches through the book of Joshua. If you have your Bibles with you, let's join Pastor Ryan now. Happy to be here with you guys tonight. Thank you for praying for me. And um, I'm also excited uh, to be uh, out of the Pentateuch. Uh, Maybe that sounds bad, but um, four plus years we spent in uh, in the first five books of the Bible. And it was a great uh, joy. It was awesome uh, teaching through that. Uh, Such great stuff and uh, so many great um, promises and applications and, and pictures into the New Testament, as Paul tells us in Colossians, that, that those things are a shadow and Jesus is the substance, and, and all of these things that, that we learned. And, and uh, now we're entering into what would be called the historical books. And, and there's a lot of great stuff, especially here in Joshua, uh, that we're going to look at over the next uh, I would imagine a few months at least uh, here in this in this great book of Joshua, and and really, if you're looking for a New Testament parallel uh, to the book of Joshua, it would be the book of Ephesians that we just studied a few uh, months back um, on Sunday mornings. And Ephesians is all about entering into all that God has done for us. You remember that we talked about the blessings that we've received through Christ and, and in Christ and all of the spiritual blessings, as Paul says in Ephesians 1-3, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And we looked at that at great length. Well, Joshua is really the Old Testament picture of that, as they are now going to enter into the land of promise. And they're going to enter in to that which God has Bless them with. And as he says, everywhere that your foot shall tread, it will become yours. And so it had all been given to them, but they had to lay claim to it by faith, just as in Christ. All of the spiritual blessings are made available to us, but we have to lay claim to them and enter into them and appropriate them by faith. And so the the spiritual implications are huge here for us in in Joshua. And you, you should know, if you don't know, uh, you, you need to know that, that Canaan, the promised land, is not a picture of heaven. And a lot of hymns and a, and a lot of Bible teaching has sort of given us the understanding that, that Canaan, the land of promise, is a picture of heaven that they're finally going to you know, get rid of the desert years. They're finally going to now pass away and enter into eternity. And that's the picture here. And that's just totally wrong because where do we get the indication that when we get to heaven, we're going to be in all sorts of battles and death and trials and tribulations and even sin that we see in the book of Joshua and shortcomings and failings. And so clearly it's not a picture of heaven What it is is a picture of the abundant life, the life of entering into all that God has given to us because sadly, but certainly true, many Christians live in the desert experience, short of what God has intended for us. They never enter into the promised land, the abundant life. As Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And sadly, 
Some of us, maybe some of us tonight, but certainly some in the church are, are not entering into that, are not living in victory and in power and in blessing in abundance and in all that God would have. We're in the desert. We're wandering around aimlessly, not using our gifts, not being blessed, living in sin, living in defeat, destroying our lives, not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joshua, the book of Joshua, is all about victory through Christ, entering in to the abundant life. And, of course, Joshua, the man, was Moses' assistant. He had left Egypt with Moses. He was born in Egypt. He had left with Moses, and he and Caleb are the only original people of the Exodus who would be privileged to enter into the promised land. Everyone else has now perished in the desert, including Moses, because of his misrepresentation of God. And it's only Caleb and Joshua who are allowed, because they believed God when the spies were sent out, They were the two spies that said, look, yes, there's giants in the land, but God is going to give us victory. They were the only ones that came back with a good report. And so God said, these men will be able to go in, but everybody else, the original generation, will die in the desert. And so now, this new generation has been raised up, and Joshua is their leader. He's going to take the baton from Moses, as it says there in Joshua chapter 1, Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying. And so it took the death of Moses for them to be able to enter in to the promised land. And you remember that Moses represents for us the law. Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. Moses, scripturally, is a type of the law. He represents the law for us. It's called the Mosaic Law, in fact. And it took the death of Moses for them to enter in to the promised land. Now, that was not only because Moses was a misrepresentation of God and God was disciplining Moses for that and saying, Moses, the only way you're going to see the promised land is by going up to Mount Nebo and looking in. That's because of that you misrepresented me. But it wasn't only because of that. It was also to keep the type true and clear in that Moses represented the law. And the law can only take us so far. The law can only bring us up to that place of our realization of sin. As Romans chapter 3 tells us, the law can magnify the sin in our life, but it cannot justify the sinner. Just like a mirror can show you the blemishes on your face, but it doesn't do you any good to, to use to try to clean your face. It can show you what you need to do, but then you need to take the water, the soap, the washcloth to cleanse your face. And so too, we need to... Yes, the law, to show us that we're a sinner. As Paul says, if it wasn't for the law, I wouldn't have known I was a sinner. But then we have to take 
the grace of God, the love of God, the word of God to cleanse us from our sin. And so this type is, is being kept true here, that it took the death of Moses for them to be able to enter in to all that God had for them. And it was through Joshua. And Joshua is really the Hebrew of the Greek Jesus. Jesus is the Greek translation of this Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. And and so Joshua is a type of Christ. And Joshua is the one that would take them past the law into all that God has for them. And it's only in Christ, as we learned in Ephesians, that all of the spiritual blessings that we can appropriate and inherit into our life, they're found in Christ. And it's only when we realize that, that we open up all of the treasure that God has for us, when we see that it's only in Christ. It's not in religion. It's not in our good works. It's not in our effort. It's not in somehow, uh, you know, doing what man would obligate us to. It's not in going to church. It's not in adhering to a list of rules and regulations or having an exterior that you've got it all together. Meanwhile, your heart is far from God. It's through Jesus. And when we allow Jesus to come into our life, he begins to do a total and complete transformation and he leads us into that abundant life. And it's when we abide in him and we make our home in him and we realize all that we are in Christ and all that he is in us that we move past that desert experience into the promised land, into the abundant life. And that's what Jesus has for us, and it's typified for us through Joshua, who is now going to take the leadership that Moses had, and he's going to to take the children of Israel into the, the promise that God had for them hundreds of years before this. This was not a new promise. This was something that they had been waiting on for hundreds of years. And God's word is finally going to come to pass. They're finally going to realize this promise that was made to Abraham so many years before. And it says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And so Moses, my servant, is dead. And I think Joshua had to hear that phrase. Moses, my servant, is dead. He needed to hear that. Because you can imagine, after all of this time spent with Moses... 40 years specifically, daily with him, getting up every day, packing up their tents, traveling to a different place, always under the leadership and the headship of Moses. Moses, where are we going? Moses, where are we going to get food? Moses, where are we going to get water? Moses, how are we going to do this? Moses, this. Moses, that. Moses, did you hear from God? Moses, 
It was all about Moses. And now Moses is dead. And now it's Joshua's role to be the leader. And in order for Joshua to do what God had called him to do, he needed to hear that Moses is dead. And you know what? I think for us tonight, there are things in our life that need to die. There are things in our life that we need to realize have been crucified. And in order for us to enter into all that God has for us, we need to hear that Moses is dead or whatever that is for you. You need to hear that tonight. That that thing in your life is dead. It no longer has control over you. Or that person is no longer there for you, for you to sort of use as a security blanket. Or that job, or that financial resource that you've been so used to that's no longer there. Or that relationship, or that you fill in the blank. That thing is dead and now you need to trust the Lord. And now God is saying, I want to use you, but until you realize that that's dead and until you begin to act like that's dead and move on from that, you're not going to enter into all that I have for you. You're going to keep holding on to that which is powerless and meaningless in your life. In fact, it will hold you back. Moses was to be buried on the other side of the Jordan. They had to to leave him behind. They weren't to carry him around and try to pretend like he had some influence over them. So Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. There was no question that God was going to give them this land. He always said it in the present tense, this land that I am going to to give to you. This land I am giving to you. It was always a sure promise. It wasn't something that God held over them as if he was going to take it back. And he says in verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. And so, as I said earlier, it was going to be completely up to them what they entered into. God said, all of this land is yours. And whatever you choose to enter into, you'll be able to to inherit. If you choose to have a little, then that's what you'll get. And that's exactly what happened. They grew content in a little piece of land that we now recognize as, as the state of Israel. But that was such a small portion of the land that God had given to them. God had given them this huge portion of land, and yet they they entered into a very small piece of that. And and sadly, that's so true of Christians and and of us, that God says, I'm I'm giving you all of this. You just need to, to go out by faith. And I think in our fear, in our lack of faith, in, in the smallness of our concept of God, we don't appropriate those things. We don't enter into all those things. And we just totally grow complacent and apathetic in our little world that, that we have. And we say, you know what? 
I have everything. I don't need anything else. And I'm not talking about material things because automatically our mind goes to that, right? I'm not (laughs) talking about material things. I'm talking about spiritual things that we would ask God to enlarge our borders spiritually. The blessings of God that he wants to pour into our lives spiritually. The, The fruits of the Spirit. That we would have more love for people. That we would have more peace. That we would have more joy. That we would have more patience. That we would have more gentleness and self-control. And these things, that we wouldn't have this small concept of what God wants to do that we would understand that God wants to enlarge the borders of our ministry. And not only Calvary Chapel, but your ministry personally and what God wants to do in and through your life. And that you wouldn't be content where he has you, that you would always be saying, Lord, I want to do more. God, I want to enter into more. God, I, I want to see you do more through me. I believe that you can do more things. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. We can claim that promise tonight. That, that God wants to do great things in our life. And if we'll just believe him. And not look at our own weaknesses. Not look at our own inabilities but we would look at the strength of God as Paul was made aware of in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that that in his weakness, God's strength was demonstrated. The grace of God was made known. And so don't look at your inabilities. Look at, at God's great ability to do a great work through you. This wasn't going to be about Israel. I mean, who were they? They didn't have some great army. This wasn't going to be about their military prowess. This wasn't going to be about their intelligence. They were shaking in their boots because of these giants that were in the land. They had no business winning any of these battles that we're going to look at in Joshua. They should have lost all of those battles, and yet it was God that was giving them the land. It was God that had made the promises to them, and they just had to go out and claim them. And God has given us many great and precious promises, the Bible says. But we haven't entered into those things. We don't believe Him. We don't trust Him. We don't go out by faith and take hold of those things. From the wilderness, verse 4, in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. And so now he's going to begin to tell (coughs) them where the borders of this, this great land that he's giving them will be. All the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun, this shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And so God is here speaking to Joshua. 
He's commissioning Joshua. He's preparing Joshua for the ministry that he has for him. And let this be an encouragement to us because God has a ministry for every one of us. If there's any theme that we have as a church and in my Bible teaching, I would think that it is that we are all missionaries and that we all have a ministry and that we're all called by God to use the gifts he's given us for his glory to serve him. And so these words are true for us. God has commissioned you. God has called you. And no man shall be able to stand before you, to stop you from what God is calling you to do. Do you know that? Do you recognize that? That no one can stand in your way. As God told us in Revelation, as he spoke Uh, to the church of Philadelphia, he said he's opening a door for them that no man can shut. And God has opened doors for you in ministry and in life that no man can shut. Now, you can stand on the other side of it and not enter into what God has for you. But no man can shut that door. No man can stop you from what God is calling you to do. No one is standing in your way except yourself. And all of the fears and the anxiety and the things that you're saying and you're using as an excuse as to why you can't do those things, they're simply uh, just really a figment of your own imagination that's standing in your way. It's nothing that, that you couldn't just walk right beyond if, if you had the trust in, in what God wants to do through your life and in, in appropriating those promises that nothing can stand in your way and that he will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what, he will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to have that deeply rooted in your theology, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that you can do nothing to make God love you any more than he already does. You need to understand that. You need to know that. And you need to know that that you can do nothing to make God love you less than he already does. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. No matter what you do, no matter what stupid decisions we make, no matter how far away from him we might get in the sense of our disobedience, he's always with us. He's always waiting for us to come back to that place of aligning ourselves with his will. And that same promise is given to us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It's repeated there for us as well. And then God begins to encourage Joshua even further in his ministry. He says, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and of good courage. What an encouragement for us tonight. And whatever it is God's calling you to do, and whatever steps of faith he's asking you to make, and whatever promises he's asking you to believe him for tonight, he says, be strong and of good courage. Be strong. Be strengthened. As Ephesians tells us, that this strength is in our inner man. Paul says that we might be strengthened in our inner man. 
that we would be rooted and grounded in his love. And this strength in our inner man, of course, it comes by prayer. It comes by spending time in the word. It comes by understanding who God is and having a a proper theology of God. In, In that there's a strength that takes place in our inner man. In the world, we're always encouraged to strengthen the outer man. It's always about the outer man. It's about making the exterior look good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with women wearing makeup or men working out or, you know, dressing nice or trying to, to make yourself look good and stay in good shape and in good health. But if that's as far as it goes, if that's all that we're strengthening is our outer man, then our inner man will be weak. And we won't be strong where we need to be. We won't be courageous where we need to be. We won't be entering into those things that God has for us. Just like me, I'm not going to be entering into any, you know, bodybuilding competitions anytime soon because I'm not strengthening my outer man. And and the same would be true if we're not strengthening our inner man, we're not going to be entering in to the things and the promises that God has for us. It would just, it it would be ridiculous. We, We can't do it. We don't have the strength. We don't have the courage. And he says in verse 7, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And so he says, Be strong, courageous. And then he tells them how to be that, that you would observe to do according to all the law. And at that time... It was the first five books of the Bible. This was the law of God. This was what, Mo, what Joshua, through Moses, had to hang on to. These, these things that were handed down. I want you to, to observe and to do these things, not to turn from them, that you may prosper. And literally that Hebrew word is to have success or to act wisely. Wherever you go, that, that you would have success, that you would be wise in your life as you take heed to the word of God. That you wouldn't live in defeat, that you wouldn't live in discouragement, that you wouldn't live short of anything that God has for you. And the way to do that is to, to be in the word and to be a person who's obeying the word. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And so it needs to be spoken. We need to be reading it and then speaking it. But you shall meditate in it day and night. And so not only reading it and speaking it, but also meditating. And that word, it literally means to chew the cud. We can understand that, the regurgitation process that a, a cow or a sheep 
goes through as the the food goes through the various stomachs and and then it's brought back up and they they ruminate on that and they get everything they can, all the nutrients they can out of the food and they chew on that cud that comes back up. And, And that's the picture of what we need to do with the word. We read the word and then we soak in the word, we marinate in the word, if you will, and we, we think upon it and we chew upon it. And that's how it becomes a part of us. That's what it means when, when God said to Jeremiah to eat his word, to consume it, to make it a part of who you are, to appropriate it into your life. So he encourages him to, to speak it, to meditate in it day and night, and then to observe to do according to all that is written in it. So then it's taken to the next level, which is application. And see, it's, it's easy for us to read it, to speak it, to marinate in it, to meditate upon it. But then where the real challenge is, is an app application in applying it into our lives, right? That's where the rubber meets the road. And unfortunately, that's where all of us fail on a daily basis, but but some of us fail on a grand scale in that we're not really applying any of the word. And, And God says, look, where it really matters is in application that you would do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's, it's not rocket science in how to be a successful Christian. Do what God says. And do you ever notice how that as Christians, we really love like stuff we've never heard about in the Bible? And, and, and that's why some Bible teachers really get tripped up, because in some pastors... Because they spend their whole week trying to figure out and find stuff that no one has ever heard. And they feel like that's their job, to tell people things they've never heard. And, you know, there's some guys out there that, man, their ministries are are just all about, like, this wacky, crazy stuff. You know, and and it, it could be true, it may not be true, but it's just like, whoa, where in the world? You know, and like... All these numbers mean different things and hidden codes in the Bible. And it's like, look, when I start to apply everything that's written in plain English, then I'll start looking for hidden codes. But until I do the stuff that's written in English, I'm not trying to find anything else. I'm not trying to find a hidden code in the Bible. Or, you know, if you read this thing backwards, it says this. Really? I'll just read it forward for now and try to do that. You know? And and all of these things that we try to find and all of these deeper truths that that pastors try to come up with, and it's like, look, here's something that we need to do. Love God with all our heart and love people. That's huge right there. When we get beyond that, then we can start looking for deeper stuff. Then we can start trying to find the more meaty elements of the word. And look, I'm all about uh, finding things in, in the word that, that challenge us and that are fresh, but, but let's be honest. Let's begin to do the things that are written for us 
in, in plain and simple English here. That our way would be prosperous. That we might have good success in life. That we might enter into all that God would have for us. In verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, that's a great verse to underline. That's a great verse for us to think upon and, and to, to just meditate upon the rest of this week. Verse 9. Be strong and of good courage. What's the Lord calling you to do? Be strong and of good courage in that. Do not be afraid. Is there fear in your life right now? The Bible tells us that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what? We often don't have a sound mind. Our mind is often filled with anxious thoughts, with worry, with the lack of faith, with trouble, with doubt, with sinful thoughts. And and God says, I want to give you a sound mind. Don't be dismayed. Maybe you're dismayed right now, just down in the dumps and discouraged and depressed. And God says, I haven't given that to you. You don't have to, to be living in that right now. I want to lift you out of that. And there are times where we're going to be down and we're going to be discouraged. But as that psalm says, that we're to pass through the valley of Baca. In the valley of Baca was, was the valley of discouragement, the valley of suffering. And it's interesting that the psalmist says we pass through it. There are times where we pass through it, but we don't live there. As, as God told David, he'll take us through the, the valley of the shadow of death. There are times where we're in that valley, where we're in that shadow of death, where we're in Baca, suffering and discouragement. But man, some of us have made a home there. That's like where we live. We're not passing through it. We exist there. And God says, I don't want you to live there. I want you to pass through there. Yeah, because I want you to be able to relate to so-and-so who I want you to minister to. I want you to, to understand what they're going through, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, so that you can comfort them as I'm comforting you. But don't live there. And it's sad to see Christians with their lip on the ground and just nothing but, but negativity and, and nothing but discouragement and nothing but woe is me and the Eeyore mentality. You know, that the sky is falling and everything is coming apart and life sucks. And, you know, it's just like, man, where is the victory? Where, where is the Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 in your life? That he has not called us to be dismayed because he's with us wherever we go. Let that be a promise to you tonight. That God is with you wherever you go. Whatever circumstance you're in right now. Financial difficulty, God is with you in that. He's allowed that to happen in your life for a purpose. He's bringing you through that. He's promised to provide for you. He's going to bring you through that time. Is it relational difficulty? God doesn't want us to live in relational struggles and difficulty all the time. But you're in that right now. And God is dealing with you in that. 
He wants to bring reconciliation in those relationships. And so he's doing a work. Is it a, a, an issue at, at, at your place of employment? Is it a health issue? God wants to, to bring you through that, and he's got a purpose and a plan for your life in it. And he's with you wherever you go. Whatever it is you're going through, God is with you. And you need to realize that and recognize that. He'll never leave you. And nothing can separate you from his love. And so this was God speaking to Joshua. And then in verses 10 through 15, we see Joshua speaking to the people. We'll quickly go through the rest of this chapter. And it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed all your mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave to you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. And so Joshua reminds these three tribes that, yes, Moses allowed you to stay on the east side of the Jordan. And that was really their lack of faith and just them being comfortable. And we talked about that back in Deuteronomy. And and that was a, a real problem, I think, for these three tribes. It really showed where their heart was that they really didn't care to enter what God had given them. But the agreement was they were going to, to go in and help the other nine tribes. And once everything was taken care of, then they could go back and they could settle in on the east side of the Jordan. And so Joshua was reminding them of the vow that they made. And so finally in verses 16 through 18, the people respond. And it says... They answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. And you know what? That would be really cool if that were true. But it wasn't true. They didn't do all that God had told them to do. They didn't go everywhere that God told them to go. And you know what? I think their hearts were probably right, just like our hearts are often right. And, and, and we get tripped up, and we, we miss out, and we lose out on what God wants us to do, they, they probably didn't intend to totally fail. I don't think they went into this thinking, you know what, we're going to go in and we're going to just take a very small portion of the land, then we're going to begin to worship false gods, we're going to begin to, you know, commit sexual immorality, we're going to begin to make false uh, idols and and lead our the next generation 
into utter abomination. I, I don't think that's what they had in mind, but that's what happened. And then as we move into Judges, we're going to see that things just spiraled out of control. And you know what? I don't think that any of us, when we committed our lives to Christ, ever said, you know what, Lord, I want to just take hold of a very small percentage of what you have for me. I, I want to live my life in pretty much utter defeat. I, I don't want to serve you. Lord, I want to be a disappointment to you. God, I want to be a, a black mark on the, on the church and upon Jesus in the community I live in. I don't think any of us ever say that, but you know what? It happens all the time. It happens to Christians all the time. It could happen to any one of us if we don't appropriate these truths and these promises and these encouragements that we've read tonight. That we continue to challenge ourselves to enter into all that God would have for us, that we would never be content where we're at. That we would wake up every day saying, God, enlarge the borders of my life. God, I want all that you have for me. God, I want to live in victory, not in defeat. God, I don't want to let these things that used to define my life define me any longer. I die to those things. I crucify that old man, that old woman. I, I don't want to live shackled to that anymore. Lord, what do you have for me? God, what fruits do you want to cultivate in my life? God, what person do you want me to minister to today? God, what issue that I'm going to face today, do you, do you want me to face head on? What challenge, what trial do you want me to experience that I might know you better? That it wouldn't derail me, but that God, it would actually facilitate your work in my life. And until we have that perspective and that mindset, we miss out. We might say, all that you command us, God, I'm going to do. Wherever you send me, I'm going to go. And, and Lord bless us, that's, that's probably our heart. But until we take the daily steps to make it happen, it won't. We can say whatever we want to say, just like people say things all the time, and then they don't do them. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, which is totally ridiculous. They didn't heed Moses in all things. We know better than that. So we will heed you. Again, their heart's right. And I think they're saying to Joshua, look, we want to follow you. We want to... Be led by you. And that's great. That's, that's, God's going to honor that. Only the Lord, your God, be with you as he was with Moses. At least they're recognizing that God was with Moses. They didn't most of his life. And isn't it sad that sometimes it takes the death of people before we recognize how special they were to us? And hear this this Moses was really not very valuable to them for so many years. They, they scorned him half the time. They complained to him. And, and it wasn't until now that they recognized that God was, was with him. And then verse 18, finally, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words... 
<coughs> in all that you command him, that person shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Great, great truths for us tonight. Let's stand and pray together. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon, 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.